This is a sermon for the Feast of Pentecost. The Old Testament reading is from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. The Epistle is from the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And the Gospel, which you will hear momentarily, is from John chapter 14, verses 23 through 31. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Arise, let us go from here. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament today, we learned about the Tower of Babel. Man's arrogance and pursuit of greatness leaves him with nothing. Though he decided for himself to stay in one place, the Lord divides them with tongues, with many languages, and scatters them across the whole world. The Lord is with the humble, and he makes his home with those who love him and keep his commandments. That does not mean those who are arrogant and making a name for themselves. This is the Holy Feast of Pentecost, the day in which the Holy Spirit was outpoured upon the apostles and upon those 120 gathered there so that they prophesied. And as the apostles proclaimed the words of the mighty works of God, all the people heard it in their native language. It's a beautiful day. The Holy Feast of Pentecost brings to us the gracious God who restores to an impoverished people the richness of the gospel. The good news that there is hope for those who love God and believe in Him. God reveals Himself to be a gracious God who gathers His people who were scattered across the world because of their sin. He brings the gospel to all people of every language, no matter where they came from, as they gathered in Jerusalem. In the past years, I've shared this gospel with you, shared how God chose this special time because it was a pilgrimage for the people as they would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. This feast was a celebrating of the harvest and God's providential care in giving food to the people. It came 50 days after the Feast of the Passover. The people would bring the new grain to the Lord and present it as an offering to Him. And the Lord shows the plentiful harvest in every land of His people 
as they all gather together with the first fruits. Pentecost is the first fruits of the gospel. The harvesting of the Lord who plants the seed of the word in their hearts. And as they hear the word, he brings them to repent of their sins. And so, as we learn later on in Acts chapter 2, there were 3,000 souls added to the kingdom of God that day through baptism, after hearing this word. Baptism, forgiveness of sins in the Holy Spirit, God bringing to these people hope, hope when their sins had brought them sorrow. God fulfilled His promise by coming into the people who believed the apostles' word and desired this, that the Lord make His home with them. All that I have spoken is glorious in and of itself. A pastor could preach many sermons on it with just those words, but it was this year that I was taught about another story within the Word of God from the Old Testament that has great significance for Pentecost. After all of God's word to the people concerning these special feasts, like that of the Feast of Weeks, it is in Leviticus 25 that he explains a special year, a year of Jubilee. This year of Jubilee would be once every 50 years. It was a year of remittance, where all debts were canceled. All those who were banned or exiled were allowed to once again return to their people. All the goods which were your families, that is your inheritance, that you may have had to either sell or mortgage off when you fell on hard times, those were again returned to you and to your family. Servants who had offered themselves into service for their debts were liberated from servitude and brought back to freedom. During the 50th year, at the seventh month on the 10th day, all the Israelites would listen for the sound of a trumpet signaling the time of jubilation, a return of people back to their hometowns, back to their goods, all the things which they had given away in times of hardships or poverty was returned to them. The Lord showed himself to be this gracious God who gives back to his people. It's a beautiful time. It is a time of jubilation, a time of jubilee for all these people. And listen to our text today. It sounds very much the same. At the sound of the coming of the Spirit, this great rushing wind, a multitude of people came together, and each of them heard in their own language these beautiful and mighty works of God, which brings to them salvation. The outpouring of the Spirit is on this 50th day following Christ's resurrection. And it brought to the, to the earth this year of jubilee that goes on forever. Jesus promised the coming of the Spirit who would bring the remittance for all the world's sins as He would, through the apostles, preach those works and salvation won for us by Christ. As Jesus said, those whose sins you remit, they are remitted. They are forgiven. The debt is canceled. It wasn't through just the words of the apostles, but it was because those words had their foundation in the cross of Christ, where all our debt for sin was paid. He is, as the Old Testament would call him, the Kingsman Redeemer, the one of our family who buys us back from the debt 
that we had incurred. The Spirit works through the apostles to go to the ends of the earth with this message of reconciliation that we are brought back through the blood of Christ. And we confess together in the creeds that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life, since it is that by His coming we hear and receive the work of Christ who redeems us. We are certainly freed from our debt of sin through the word of the gospel which God has commanded to be preached to all the earth as it is shown to us in this first day that we celebrate this day of Pentecost. The debt of sin which God forgives by the blood of Christ is greater than all the amount of money that has ever been remitted at that year of jubilation. It was ever celebrated by the Israelites. For a moment, I want you to imagine if you were to be forgiven all the money that you owe right now. Or perhaps you had money in the past that you owed, always praying that it would be somehow forgiven. But imagine that somebody right now came and forgave all your debt and set you free from that burden. How joyful would you be? How many thank you cards would you write thanking that person every year? How many times would you call them up and thank them and their family for taking on your burden? We would be incredibly grateful. If all the money that we ever owed or do owe even at this moment was forgiven. So how are we to be when we have the one who has forgiven all of it? All of the debt that we owed to God. How many thankful gestures should we give to the one who has, by his blood, redeemed us and bought us back? So much greater than should we be to regard this gift than if we could imagine having our debts of money forgiven. For the Lord is gracious. He has preached to us this message of forgiveness. Knowing this, we return to the Lord, grateful for all of it. And even each week in returning, we still ask for more. We bring our sins to the Lord, our failures in the week to live up to His commandments. For it is Jesus that said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we know that we do not keep them. We go about our own ways. We think more about making a name for ourselves than honoring the name of Christ. So we should be grateful. Every week, week in and week out, for what God has done to us. Because we were exiles from the kingdom of God. Scattered all over the world, lost and impoverished, yet God restored us and once again received us back into His kingdom and placed us in the Holy Church to be numbered among those who are recipients of the gift of eternal salvation. In baptism, God restored to us what was lost because of our sin. He returned to us the possessions of holiness, righteousness, and everlasting life that had been lost when our first parents shamefully listened to the serpent. And when God placed us within, within our hearts, this new heart that beats, of flesh, sprinkled upon us this holy water, He also placed within us His Spirit to lead and to guide us, to help us in our weaknesses as we struggle against sin, 
as we struggle even to love our neighbors more than ourselves. God has given to us the gift of His kingdom, made us heirs, His children, stored up for us treasures in heaven, something for us to look forward to. But Pentecost is even more. It's celebration from our freedom from bondage. That was won for us on the cross, certainly, but it is delivered to us in the proclamation of the gospel. All who were servants in the year of jubilation or in jubilee were released from their bonds and set back to a life of freedom. And that's what it is for us today. We celebrate being released from our captivity to sin and our slavery to the devil, to which the man, to, uh, the one to which we had sold ourselves, because we had hoped by servitude to the devil we would make our name for ourselves and be unto ourselves our own God. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. These are the words of the scriptures. The whole Christian church on earth and in heaven, all the saints who enjoy their heavenly peace, should give thanks to the Lord this day as they do. When the spirit of the living God dispensed the great blessings of Christ upon the people and restored to them the true freedom and the forgiveness of their debts and the restoration of their inheritance. Having all this restored to us means that we should also be good, good stewards of God's love not taking advantage of it. Jesus said to his disciples those words I quoted earlier, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. No sin of ours would have brought anything less than death to the Son of God. So we should be careful we should think about what we do when we leave this place, this church. We should think about what we say to our neighbors, how we manage our households, what we do for our children and grandchildren, our friends and our neighbors. We must consider every one of our actions in light of the commandments found in God's holy word. We should not rejoice in our wrongdoings, nor think that because they seem little in the eyes of the world that they are anything less than what brought death to Christ. We know that it is forgiveness that we live in. We live in the blood of Christ. We are free, but free to live in a way not which pleases our flesh, free to live in the way that pleases God. We love the things that Christ loved, loves, and we live to honor the Father and the Spirit as He did. The Spirit sets us free to live a new life in love for one another, that the works of God may be glorified in all, the, all that we do and all that we say. And we also hope and desire that the world will proclaim the name of the Lord and His mighty works be praised in all the earth. Know this. We struggle that is why the Spirit must be our guide and help us through our weaknesses. We will not love one another perfectly, yet we will not strive for less. We must recognize that we still have sin 
And so each week we come back to the presence of the Lord, whether that is in your home each day or here in church, and confess that we have fallen short. And yet it is God who brings to us the good news when we have fallen. That God loved us while we were still sinners and died for us at just the right time to redeem us from the condemnation of the law. And He proclaims the word which delivers to you actual forgiveness for all your sins. Know this. Love is not that we have loved God, but rather that He has loved us and sent His Son as the reconciliation for our sin. Every year, every month, every week, and every day that that good news is preached to you is a time for you to be in joy and hope and enjoy the gifts of God. It is your time of jubilation, your year of jubilee from this time forth and until God returns. For God has promised to send forth His Spirit, and He has. God has promised to make His dwelling place, place in the hearts of the faithful, and He has. God has promised to give strength and power to His people, and He has. We should return now to the Lord with gratefulness and praise, for He will not fail us just as He has delivered us. So too will He deliver us on the last day. He will keep us in His hand and bring us into His kingdom. In Jesus' name, Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.